Hey guys, welcome back to the Max Spence Business Podcast. I'm really excited for this episode, but before I begin, uh, you know, if you guys like the content I'm putting out and the people I'm interviewing, please, 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 you know, subscribe, leave a like, uh, leave a review. If you can, go over to Apple Podcast and uh, like and also leave a review as well. Uh, but without further ado, so today's guest is uh, Vinny Fisher. Uh, he's a CEO and also a best-selling author. So the company he runs right now is Fully Accountable. So Fully Accountable is an accounting firm that uses digital technology, cloud-based services, and real-time reporting to offer trusted advisory services to companies that are large, that have a large digital footprint uh, use, utilizing e-commerce and digital advertising. So the books he's actually written have been uh, The CEO's Mindset, False Profits, It's Not the Top Line That Pays You, and also The Best Investment, A Better You. It's great having you on the show, Vinny. Hey, thanks for having me, Max. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, why don't we jump right into this? Uh, why don't we start with a little bit, little bit of a backstory um, and what sort of got you into entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's a, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I think about that, you know, I'm a, I'm the most educated person in my family uh, up until I've got kids. Someday one of them are going to pass me on that, but my family didn't really gra go or graduate college. No, no, any of that. So I was in some, you know, I'd say tough circumstances, a broken family. I I just kind of early on didn't want that for my life. So I was kind of a, very much a hustler and kind of learned to like kind of outwork people not to get something maybe others didn't want. So through all that, I became the first person in my family educated, uh, was able to excel at parts of school and went on to go to law school and uh, became a trained a lawyer who had a pretty successful business uh, corporate practice. And so I did all that. Well, I just always had this attitude of kind of going for it, right? I, I'm so thankful for that, right? I've always had a risk corridor, take the risk. That got me in some trouble, I will admit that. But if you look under the hood, I'm someone who uh, was never afraid to give it a first shot. And so that really is what fed a lot of my desire to kind of be the risk taker and create things. And I love uh, solving problems for myself and then for others. And so that's just kind of been my wiring for a long time. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So actually I, 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 I saw on uh, LinkedIn that you, yeah, you, you have a law degree, but I, I didn't know that you actually also had your own for a, a law firm will practice as well. Yeah, I did. I, uh, for, so when I came out of law school, I was recruited by a big fancy firm and they were great. They trained me, kind of taught me the elements of practicing law. Well, it was in that process. I'm like, I can have my own partner up with some guys uh, in this particular, it could have been women, but there was two guys in this case. Um, and I want, I then had our own firm where we grew kind of quite large and I left the law practice in uh, as a formal thing in 07 when I started my journey in owning uh, digital online businesses. But I very much love the law. I still have an active license. You just can't hire me now, but you know, and actually what the COO of, of Fully Accountable is also a lawyer. She uh, followed in uh, and I love the discipline. Two of my kids are probably going to end up going to law school, at least two of the four. We'll see what the other two do. But uh, so I love the law. I'm just not in the active practice of it anymore. 
Okay, awesome. So yeah, that, that, that seems like a really interesting jump then to go from like, you know, law practice to uh, the digital space and sort of e-commerce and all that sort of, uh, you know, it, like industry and stuff. So what's, what, when did that sort of take place uh, and sort of like spark your interest to being like, hey, I want to sort of, sort of go down the sort of internet based route? Yeah, it was a real, it was, a, it was literally a timing and opportunity. So in my corporate practice, I got introduced to a potential client was this whiz bang internet kid who was needing help forming entities, kind of getting his business set up right. Well, he'd come to meet with me and I didn't know what a domain name was. I didn't know what, like the fancy word or acronym URL. I didn't know any of those things. And this was early 07. And uh, fast forward till the end of the year, we then became business partners. I then start, we opened up our first digiting, digital publishing company. We then opened a web hosting company together. And I was on this series of run where I had two eight figure businesses. It was during that first one where I was like, wait a minute. I really love this digital space. I'm good. I'm quite good at this. I can take my business skills and my legal skills that I've learned and apply it into this area. And we were off to the running ever since that kind of end of 07 into 08. And I had, other than my law firm, I had two other traditional brick and mortar businesses. I ended up selling one of those and I've been in the digital and online space ever since. Yeah, that, 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 that's crazy to hear. Yeah, so you, you, you're a very seasoned entrepreneur by starting. Like you've had a lot of different businesses. You've sold businesses. Uh, so what, what are your sort of like, what are your thoughts on sort of the traditional brick and mortar? And now like, you know, the majority of businesses have switched to being like uh, online and also, uh, you know, like running a lot of stuff from like, you know, like cloud-based and all that sort of like all that sort of environment with internet and e-commerce and stuff. Uh, what, what are your sort of thoughts between the two different, like uh, sort of two different industries? You know, um, there was a couple of words you used in there that maybe I don't necessarily 100% agree with that a majority of businesses are, are going in this direction. But I will say this, that, you know, as early as November of 19, if you, a fellow group of business people were together and you asked, hey, which one's safer, being a local business or being a digital business? Most people would have picked the local business because they were afraid of like a digital or cyber attack shutting down the internet. No one envisioned ever that local was going to come under attack the way it has. Now, fast forward months later, the increase in direct to consumer, which is the world we live in, e-commerce technology is obviously exploding. We look like overnight successes six years later in our business and what we're doing. But the reality is it's still very early for a lot of businesses making this digital transformation. They're just now forced to do it. And I would encourage those businesses not to look at it. You're too late. Now is the time that you got to do it. And so early on when I started in this space, there was just the tech wasn't there. You, know, you had to build it if you wanted it. Now the technology is so readily available that the access is a lot easier for people. And so things like cash flow and brand and a healthy business model matter now in this version of direct to consumer more than ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, 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 those are some amazing points. So I, I also noticed that when, uh, when you were starting other companies, it, it looked like, uh, like when you, I think one of them was called, uh, is it Bra brain host? Yeah, it was a shared web hosting company yeah. that we created. Yeah. Brainhost, and then you had uh, you had another one that was, uh, I think, is it called Leading Health? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the health supplement industry. Our first one was lead. Our first one was actually called Consumer's Choice. Then I helped a group and became the chairman of 
leading health. And I actually now own an interest in another supplement company because I love the supplement space. And uh, so I haven't gotten away from that. I, in my phase where I am in my career, I have people who operate our three portfolio companies. And my job all day long is to help develop leaders, the three COOs that run those companies. I am the active CEO, CEO of our Fully Accountable that was birthed out of our health company. Uh, but I, I, at my phase, I'm in a little different phase than what would might be the where the average operator is inside of their business. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so what I saw was really interesting uh, was like, because like, uh, you know, from my point of view is thinking like, how do some of these like CEOs or business owners are able to run so many businesses, right? or they have their hands in so many different businesses and they're involved with like, like lots of different stuff, uh, which I saw was really interesting was, um, was that you, you were training CEOs to take over these, take over the company. Like you built it, you built it up to a level and then you sort of trained, uh, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it looked like just from reading it that you trained the CEO to take over. Uh, yeah. To you take, mentioned take over. a book I wrote earlier yeah. that called CEO's Mindset. And it's actually a journey uh, into some things about my life. I speak very openly about one of my eight-figure businesses that I broke. You know, we broke Brainhost. I had a that thing teed up. It was doing mid-eight figures in revenue and uh, relatively profitable for what type of business it was. Really ran that business incorrectly. I ultimately am responsible for how it broke. I wrote about it. And one of the things I would say that was a big mistake of the entrepreneur is this idea that you can run sophisticated multiple businesses. I actually want to be really clear. I learned from the mistake of that. I don't operate more than one business. I believe in operators really being dedicated to the business that they operate. I have three COOs whose full-time job for each he and her are to run those businesses. My job is to actually help them get equip them, give them wisdom, be there as a business developer, a leader, and support them. You know, the health company I speak of, I work, I work um, maybe an hour a month at our data company. You know, I spend more time in developing leaders than I do in operating a business. And so I want to give those resources out to other entrepreneurs. You know, my team created a gift page that you can show in the show notes at fullyaccountable.com forward slash Max Spence, where you can get a free copy of our book. And I would encourage you to read the first chapter, which is also the name of the book, The CEO's Mindset. And I talk about this whole thing in this, you can be spread out across a bunch of businesses or really dive deep into one business and then actually build and develop team you know without team you can't build something beyond you without process for that team you can't build consistency and excellence i had to learn sadly breaking a very good eight-figure business that lesson oh, okay okay yeah yeah that, that, that's actually one of the questions i that that actually leads into is, is pretty well as uh uh i was sort of wanting your thoughts on what what uh and you sort of answered it here but i don't know if you can go a little bit more in depth is with uh you know like when you're first starting a business is it better to dedicate or like let's say like you know some people will uh want to start multiple things at once like I, i'm one of those people where i i like there's a thousand things i want to do uh there's so like so, so much stuff piques my interest in business uh, and I want to go down that route, uh, down that road. Um, what, what are your sort of thoughts in between the, 
you know, managing your time, like sh should you just spend all your time on building that one business first uh, and then sort of going on to the next one? Or, uh, you know, maybe with, you know, starting to, uh, and then just letting, cause I, I'm a young guy right now and I have, a, and time is on my advantage right now. So I, if, if I spend, you know, dedicate my time to two businesses, um, I could really expand those forward, like let's say in 20 years or something, or is it better just to, you know, just pick one business and get really, really good at that one business. And then, you know, branch out from that. If you look at anyone who's had massive success, they don't have multiple things going. Later on, they might diversify their, their wealth and invest in things. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find someone who's doing quite well, being diversified in the early days. Now, maybe you got to take small bets until something works. But once something starts working where you have a value proposition, where customers are buying it, it should get your dedicated blood, sweat, and tears if you really want to grow it into seven and eight figures. You know, most people don't realize there's only 6.94% of all companies in North America that do a million dollars in annualized revenue. And so one of the big things people realize getting to seven figures is a big deal. And then from there, the idea of side hustling multiple ones of those that you operate, I broke a $40 million company believing that I could hand off the running of that to somebody else. And all the levers I was pulling, I was pulling somewhere else. I broke the whole thing because I was so caught up in my own youthful arrogance that I could do a whole bunch of things. Now people say, well, wait a minute, Vinny, you own multiple companies. Yeah. They have separate teams that I've invested in that operate those businesses. And I give a little bit of my time to help them run I don't wake up. There are people who wake up and care more about that business each day than I do. And I believe in team people. I give the resources to smart, critically thinking people who do great things for our company. And I give them my time and I can multiply and build off of that construct. But this idea that I'm the hero and my hero's complex where I can pull all these levers and do all these things and I can side hustle this and side hustle that. You'll make just enough money to believe that's true and then you'll lose it all and do it again and again. It's the crazy cycle of the kind of the entrepreneur who does that. And I'm here to say that like I've done that. I don't have to just say I've read it in a book. And I, when you look at the mavericks who've really done it through side hustle versus the one who've been dedicated, uh, the proof is in the uh, success uh, outlay, which one has a, a, a greater chance to a success. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. The, 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 that, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, I know for myself is like uh, I've been looking at a lot of different things, tasting a lot of different things. Um, what, what, what sort of made you go down, like sort of concentrate all your effort on one thing? What, 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 what sort of signs did you see? Or like, was it that you really, really loved the business? Is that sort of started taking off early? Uh, what were sort of the signs that actually made you stick to that one sort of business idea and pursue it for a, a long term? I fight this every day, Max. This is, I'm not cured of this. I'm almost like an addict. I believe I have new ideas constantly. I have a black book sitting in front of me. While you and I are talking, I thought of a couple other ideas. I am always ideation, always thinking forward. Heck, I dreamt up a business, had a created website, everything, before I talked to my two business partners about it. Next, this is a real thing every day. I've surrounded myself with good people who help fight with me about timing 
there are a lot of great ideas. They're just poorly timed. I fight this all the time. I am a person that loves to quick start things. So I just got to battle it. You know, I had a, my old business partner, you know, he, he met with me earlier in the year and I had some ideas about how I was going to branch out an education business in the accountancy space and teach everyone about how we did it. And now that we're this big company and you can have a piece of it too and do it yourself. And he's like, you know, that sounds like a good idea of something you could do later. It's going to distract you from what you're doing now. And I'm like, yeah, you're totally right, man. I, I got to just drive this deep. Well, we've doubled in size again by like doubling down and working on what's in front of us. Now introduce this massive shutdown pandemic. It's only made us more relevant. We have to battle the distraction. It's, I, if I sit here and say, I've got that all figured out, I'm lying to you. What I've actually learned are two emotions that the entrepreneur has. One's anxiety and the other one's boredom. And in anxiety, where I'm afraid of whether it's going to work out, I, I try to get more poles in the water. That may not be a good response to anxiety. And the other one's boredom. When things start working, I feel like I got to do something else. I got enough, just enough money to try another thing. And that also is not a good response. And so I've learned that, like simplicity, maybe go take a walk, not be so quick to blow things up our responses to anxiety and boredom and let things play out a little bit and actually say no to things and not yes to things and find more room for space. And I found by doing that, my net worth's increased, my family time's increased, our business it runs better. I got to fight that every day though, Max. That's not like I figured it out. It's I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, well, that, that, the, that's some of the best advice I've heard for, uh, you know, for, for that sort of like that, that's my sort of thinking. And a lot of people that are like uh, entrepreneurs or somebody that wants to start a business uh, when they're first getting learning about business and they're, and they start making the switch in their brain to start like you sort of, it's like that thing where, you know, like when you buy a car, uh, you, you start seeing it everywhere, right? When, when you sort of become like involved in the business world and you start thinking about business more and you start learning about more like about business, you start seeing business opportunities everywhere, right? And then you just go down this rabbit hole of like, you hear something you're just like, oh, that, 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 that's interesting. And then you go, then you start researching it and going, you go down this rabbit hole for like a couple of weeks about it. Uh, and then nothing, and something else pops your mind. And then you just like, you just keep, you're just like chasing, you're like a dog, just keep chasing cars and cars and cars. Uh, so that's actually a really good point that uh, just picking that one thing and just sticking with it and just continuing to, you know, push that forward. Um, I, I sort of want to talk uh, now about what, when, when you go about starting a company, uh, when you start your company, what was the first action steps that you took? You know, I, I, early in my career, I had it wrong. I used, I'm a good salesman, quite good marketer. And I, I, I used to run a sales proposition organization. If we could sell you great. And I was heavy on sales, a little light on value. I had it backwards looking at the way we've grown the businesses that we have are healthy. It's a value proposition. What problem am I solving for our customer? And if I can get someone to buy it, the first customer is usually not the hardest one. It's the second one. And it's the third one. It's those couple after the first one. If I can't get people, if I'm not solving a problem for somebody, then why would I think that I could grow that into something larger? And so I, really start with solving a problem. What's my value proposition to who my prospect is? And then I've learned to keep my audience super tight. Everyone wants to serve everybody. 
And I will tell you, the massive secret weapon of Fully Accountable is that we stood for a niche. We said we do what we do for e-commerce and digital, and we serve that space. And we're super large with a lot of people on our team with hundreds of companies we do it for because we stood for one specific audience and not tried to just work with, so to speak, small businesses. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So really, really, um, really just narrowing your focus onto one area and just getting really, really good at it. Uh, until you're yeah, like, the, what? The riches are in the niches. I used to never believe that. And now it's like, I have proved it. True, true. So, uh, like, I was looking at your background and you don't have an accounting uh, background. Uh, so how, how did you, how did you get into this? This is what I really like about entrepreneurs such as yourself is like, they don't have a, like they didn't go to school for it, but they just learned, they learned about it. They brought people, the right people onto their team. And now they have a very successful business uh, from just well, going back to the beginning, Max, I solved a problem in my health supplement company. I'll tell you the story and you can read some more about it in false profits. Just go get it. If you want you like to read, go get the audio if you want to listen. But what you're going to find out is I had this health supplement company that was doing about 8% profit margin on the bottom. It, it, it was making a bunch of money on the top line, but it was keeping pennies on the bottom. And I had this frustration that we were like selling a lot of good products. But I wasn't really keeping any money. And like one day I woke up with what looks like a very basic thing now, but then was like a third lung to me. I, I'm like, it's not about the money we bring in. It's about what we keep. And so quickly I got on this journey where I found out the type of business I was running should have been doing about 20 to 22% profit margin. So all of a sudden my 8% turned into, I was losing 12 to 14% a month. And so I started looking at the leaky bucket of my company and I realized, holy crap, it's my relationship to the bottom line or not paying attention to things like profit margin that was the big deal. And so I was putting all my attention into affiliate sales and barely any into what we keep. Well, I started to care a lot about that. I'm massively disqualified at being a fractional CFO or a controller or a data analyst or a bookkeeper or the four positions of a department. I just needed to solve a problem for us. Well, good news is we solved that problem for that company, got it to a good profit margin and we sold it and it was great. Well, at the end of that, people were like, hey, that was really awesome. We should start doing that for other people. And I'm like, I think we've solved the problem. And so we built our own version of technology doing that full service for ourselves. And it was then like, wait a minute, we can do this for other people. And everyone in the world was like, Vinny, you're a great marketer. You sell products. Why would you want to have a super boring sales service company? I'm like, because we're solving a problem. Well, here we are six years later and we look like an overnight success doing that work for this industry. And it's hard. The seasons of growing a service business are no different than the seasons of growing a product business. And we still fight that same fight every day. And with lots of people on the team and lots of companies, the, we were out to solve a problem. I wouldn't hire me for any of our positions other than maybe sales guy or marketer. And in this case, CEO, I, I do love to build teams and I love to have those teams have better processes, but I'm a great start. I have better finishers on my team. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, I see that, that that leads into another question. So uh, like what, when it comes to a CEO, what makes a really good CEO uh, from, from your point of, from your experience and your point of view from, you, you know, running different companies, what, what, what is, uh, when you've been the CEO, what is sort of attributed the most to your success of building that company? 
as I continue always in my development, my learning, my capacity for uh, knowing more about me, the better leader I am. So self-awareness of knowing what I'm, I shouldn't be doing is critical. Humility to be able to communicate that removal of some pride so I don't have an ego issue where I can empower my team to actually do the things that they're far more equipped to do than I'm able to do. And then for me, because of my personality set and leadership skills that I've developed over time, I use my words. I'm a highly effective communicator and I communicate with our people. I clearly lay out vision, strategy, plan, importance of three principles for me, which are our core values about caring, competent, and committed. And I speak about these things to our community and build culture. I, have, I use a lot of C's in my kind of world, but that's not by being cute and cliche-ish. Those are real things. We have a killer culture because I like try to lead and try to show up because those are the skills I'm quite good at. And I let them do the things that they're quite good at. And I will raise my hand of the things I'm not good at, which gives permission to people who are intelligent, hardworking, who we've brought on our team to do those instead of, instead of me doing them. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. So uh, what, 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 like speaking about that more, when you're building a team, uh, what do you look for in people that you're bringing onto your team? So it depends, like where I am in the hiring cycle, I try to fill roles. There are clear roles in each season of a business. So for me, a season is a five-year run. Each season has a first and a second half to it. And that's how I've seen the cycles of business go in my life. Well, if you're in the early half of the first season of your business, well, then you got to identify what you are. Are you a management style person? Are you very technical in what you do? Or are you um, a little bit more of a kind of... Uh, visionary kind of strategist person what you do and a little bit aloof and like all over the place. Well, you got to know which part of that you are because, you know, maybe you're a quick start and you're not great at managing stuff or you're not as technical as someone else. Well, I would fill in the two pieces I'm missing and then just keep expanding that. Those departments, each one of them would, would tend to need a role based on how you are growing and scaling your organization. And so to me, you need great people in clear roles with a clear objective measurement of what they're doing. And so each season of each business has those clear identity of roles. So what I'd say to the younger person or to the newer aged season of business is look at the roles that you shouldn't be doing that need to be filled with the people who can be doing it better than you and start there. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. The, you've been given a, a, a lot of great advice and already like the first like 30 minutes of this podcast. Uh, yeah. So uh, w with that, uh, so pretty much when, when you're, when you're signing roles, it's pretty much just coming down to uh, understanding who you are as a person. Uh, and so let's say like if you're good sales at marketing, but you're crap at crunching numbers and keeping all that sort of in check, then you'd want to bring somebody on who's good at that or like vice versa. Or let's say if somebody's really good at building people up uh, and hiring the right people, then you would want to bring somebody on like that. Well, let's, let's use a real example. Like my COO of Fully Accountable, Rachel, she is a process driven person. She even would probably fall on the spectrum of being a perfectionist, which meant early on in her career, she would have a tough time delegating because she knew she could do it better than somebody else reason why she was a great fit as my number two early on is I could start, I pick me 
over most people for energy in starting something. I'm a quick start. I can hit the ground. I think bigger than most people. But once I get to a certain point, I'm done. So if I didn't have someone like Rachel in my life who wanted to take it and add consistency and replication and finish to it, we would always have a bunch of started things that didn't finish well. Well, you could look at my career and look at that resume that you bragged about for me, thank you, and see some things I broke because I didn't finish well. And so I would then fill in that part of my personality and recognize great starter, not a great finisher. Okay, where are the things, where, where can we put him where we can win? Okay, team, let's remember that while you're looking at the successful Vinny and all the things he's done, what has also led to that success now that we're in season four of our life? Let's not forget season one, two, and three and the things we had to do to build and surround team and to get us to where we are. And I think people as entrepreneurs don't take enough self-assessment and are not aware of the goods and not so good parts that they bring to their own company. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 those are some good points. So actually leading off of that, uh, what, so talking about a bit, like, you know, you're really good at starting stuff and getting it going and getting it going quick. Uh, but you need somebody like having yep. that extra person in there to actually keep it going after a certain point and keep getting it to be really, really consistent and perfecting the model even more. Uh, so what, what, what has sort of led to you being able to like, uh, is it better to scale quick as fast as possible or is it better to sort of get your processes down um, a, a, a lot better and then scale slowly over time uh, within your sort of, um, the, the word I'm sort of trying to say here is like, within your sort of capabilities, like is it better just to scale like as, as fast as you can go or is it better to take your time and be more methodical with your scaling process? I, I'm already a person who something's not big enough, not fast enough person. I always want it bigger and faster than anybody else. I just do. It's just the nature of how I'm wired. A lot of people in, in my position of a company are wired like that. Now, here's some interesting things I've learned. The average growth of a really dynamic company is two or three times growth. This idea of this 10x thing is complete crap. Now, it's a great talking point, and it sounds fine and all. Uh, early business doing small numbers can 10x and get into seven figures. That's cool. But seven, eight-figure companies, they don't 10x. Unicorns might, but a good growing company might add 30% growth to its business. So it, depending on the, the cycle of the business where it's at, you know, Phil Knight wrote a great book called Shoe Dog. And in there, he said, you know, once I realized that the privilege I have as a leader is to get up every day and solve a new problem, I started to become a better leader in our business, as opposed to this journey thinking I was going to get to a point in our business where there was going to be no problems. I embraced the idea that new growth added new problems. And so one of the things I'd say is, I don't know that the right question is whether or not grow something as fast as you can or not. What are the problems in your business holding you back from that growth? Is it not hiring the right person? Is it not cash flow? Is it bad margin? Is it supply chain? Is it, are you selling the wrong product to the wrong person? I look for the constraints in our business and what can I do to put resources at it so that I can free up that category for growth. If I free up that category for growth, what's the new problem I'm going to create? Is a system broken? And I, 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 I put our target at 3x growth. And if we get this year, we're going to get the 1.87x, which is amazing. 
Are we completely sad because we don't get the two? Maybe this guy is, but the rest of our team is excited out of their mind. And so uh, there's this problem where you go from like in your mind, 5 million to 50 million. It's what the, the, what the grinder entrepreneur wants to do. But the reality is business doesn't grow that way. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 that is very true that, yeah, like the, the majority of people aren't going to, you know, like the majority of people are, are like the businesses aren't going to scale that fast, right? Unless you hit like, you know, your timing's perfect. You have an idea that's, you know, cutting edge and you're going to be doing changing uh, something in a, an industry, then it might actually help you grow a lot faster. Um, hey, how do you create a viral video? You, uh, no, no, nobody really knows. It's just consistency. That, like that, that, that would be my point of view is. Hey, if you read, I was in a mastermind once and a guy that was in there was a good friend of mine who had this killer viral video. And another guy's like, hey, do you have like a checklist of how you created that viral video? And everyone chuckled a little because it took like this perfect sauce that it's really hard to describe. How do you catch a unicorn? How do you find one in the first place? How do you grab on to a rocket? Anywhere you get your hand on it. When people are like, here's the formula for unicorn, rocket, viral growth, they're full of crap. Those things happen in certain timing and things. Those aren't business principles you can embrace. We're all suckers for like loving it. But you can't really bank on business principles around the unicorn or the rocket like, because those things just are special and they kind of just happen. But what are some business principles you can build? There are real principles that work that are help build in consistency and being able to be efficient and brand building stuff that work. Now, if you do all those things and the the magic sprinkle dust of the of the fairy dust comes on top of you to get you that unicorn or, or rocket growth, well, good for you. But to sit around and believe that we're going to wait for the lottery ticket is a way to grow a business is going to lead to the way I used to run business. And I don't recommend that at all. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's actually really, really funny that you bro, uh, brought that up because uh, there's, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with TikTok at all, but uh, TikTok's, um, it's, it's with the growth that's happening, that's coming from TikTok. Uh, there's this video that this guy was literally just, uh, I think he was on like, um, like an electric scooter or something. And he's just like, he just listened to a song and he's driving around and then he's like, sort of like, you know, dancing to it a bit and he's drinking ocean spray. I don't know if you saw this. It, it was, it was on the, the news a bit. Um, I'm sure my kids did. I'm not really, yeah. you know, my kids love it. So. <laughs> but uh, it, it was really funny because this one video, this one guy, and it blew up with like, I think it's over like 30 million views, like a ton of likes. And it's like, it's already like this guy skyrocketed into uh, a ton of people know who he is now. And he has a bit of like, a, he, he has a brand going now. I think he has like a couple million followers on TikTok now, which is now transferring over to Instagram and stuff like that. But like you were saying, it's like, it's like the, one of the videos that you think would not go viral. It's not like anything super crazy. You're not, you know, jumping cars over helicopters and parachuting out of planes or anything like that. It was just like the simple video that just blew up, which was crazy, uh, which is, which is a good like, brand. Yeah. Out on that, build some audience off it, go for it. But how, other than inspiration, how do you get up and say, here's the playbook to reverse engineer that you don't. And so one of the things that I've been on my journey is the habit and the hustle and the grind to go from six figures to seven figures. It takes you and me and that kind of maverick front person to go for it. To go from seven into eight in there actually requires a different habit. It requires me to change from that grinder 
to an operator of people. And I need to be believe in people and process and allow it to grow beyond me. And I've had to learn that the stuff, the grinder and the hustler guy, that, that startup guy doesn't serve well in early and late stage growth stuff because it, I can certainly provide wisdom to people in the right spots, but this run a business like that once it needs other things is really why only 5% of companies make it to their 10th anniversary. You know, 95% of companies don't see their 10th year in business. It's because guys like you and I break them. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 like, yeah, the, 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 I, 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 I love the, I love the value that you're adding, like to like, this, this has been a really awesome podcast, like hearing everything you say and, and like the, the value that you're adding. Uh, I, so I want to ask you now, like you seem like you're a very high energy guy, you know, had like uh, very focused yeah. on point with stuff. Uh, how do you sort of manage your time and also stay on point uh, with, with stuff? Is it sort of, do you find like, I know previously in the podcast that you're saying that you sort of have to battle with new ideas and stuff. Uh, but how do you sort of stay very on focus and primed on sort of getting, uh, what you need to do, uh, to, you know, get, to get it done and stuff. Perspective and wisdom has helped me a ton. I, um, I, I gain energy off people. I'm already a high energy person. If I were to speak at a stage with a large crowd and it's low energy, I got to work really hard to bring the energy of that room up. If I'm with other high energy people, I just draft off there. So I'm a people type person. And so I'm always in. I'm the life of the party. I'm in for the next idea. I've just learned to value and respect my time. Because I realize I only have, it's more valuable to me than what's sitting in my bank account. Not because I'm running out of it, I'm way older than you, but because I realized that I, I, I would burn so much of it, wasting it, thinking it was a precious commodity. You even earlier said, time's on my side. I can, and you're, you're going to say yes more than no. And I've realized that when I really had a better relate, or continue to have a better relationship to guarding my calendar and time and build in routine and fight and learn that no is not me being mean. It's me guarding my time. I'm a far better business person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that is a solid point is actually, um, yeah. Cause like, I, I, I know for me, it's like, Oh, you, 20 years seems so far away, but, uh, you'll probably say that 20 years goes pretty quickly. It's like, it, it feels like it goes pretty quickly. Uh, that, that's what I saw here for when I talked to I was going to be a 20 year old kid. Yeah. I, I have four children. I have an almost 20 year old, almost 18 year old, almost 16 year old, and a 14 year old. I look at them and I'm like, wow, okay, I'm a busy guy leading. That's my main job. You never even asked me. My main job is being married for 25 years to Debbie and those four beautiful children. But like Sophia, our oldest, I look at her and I'm like, whoa, that seemed like last week when I was bringing her home in the car carrier. I get it. We've heard the old people tell those stories. Uh, I, one of the things I think entrepreneurs, we have a really hard time with is celebrating the moment because we're so busy what we think where we're going or what's next or what we want. And so I've had to really struggle hard over my time and tenure to be present and enjoy what I'm currently going through as opposed to where I wish we're going to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that's another, another solid point is really being, uh, be, being in the moment and not always wanting to, 
always wanting to be like being unhappy in your moment and being like, oh, well, you know, I want to get to this level or, you know, I want to bring this company to a hundred million and why aren't we there and blah, blah, blah. And that causes like a lot of anxiety. Yeah. That's like, that's great to have that hunger to do that. But also, um, you know, like, like you're saying is like being present in that moment is really important too, with just being happy. Super hard, man. Max, super hard. I, the advice is clear and simple. The execution of that is off the charts hard. And so one of the things I've done with my personality is I put blocks in my time. So I guard my mornings. They're for me, not for anybody else. I even sometimes get in the fights with Deb over when she takes over parts of my morning. Like, like that time is precious to me. I block out three hours of every morning. It's mine because I need to be working on me. So a house built on a firm foundation is going to stand. And and, in in this case, the world of the flock and people around me are going to be far better if I'm continuing to work on that. And I block out chunks of time. People have to use a calendar to get on my time with me. And I don't do just catch-ups. Let's just meet. Tell me clearly why you want to meet so that we can be effective in guarding each other's time. Gosh, I'd have loved to have known that at your age. I gave my time out to everybody. As a matter of fact, as a marketer, I did a split test for years now and have always proved it right. People will say with cliche that they believe their most valuable thing is time. If I go and ask you for your money or for you to sign up for a calendar slot, you will less likely give me your money than you will your calendar slot. People say one thing with their time and do another. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 <laughs> that's actually pretty awesome that 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 you actually run that test because that, that that's that's very true. Like, uh, I I know for me, like I, I've like I will just spend my time like to be honest, like I, I like I I waste a majority of my time doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. I should be being more focused with what I'm doing, uh, or you know, saying yes to certain things and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the, 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 those are some amazing points. Um, I, I know we're coming to the end here. Uh, yeah. So b- b- before we go, uh, I pretty much just wanted to ask you what, one more thing uh, was about sure. when you were when you're first starting a business, uh, like when you built your businesses, did you raise capital for it or did you just sort of bootstrap it and you just started like you built it on off the backs of the money that you got coming in? I, I'm a bootstrap guy, like born in bread. That's how I've done everything. I see the category for raising of money. It's just not the way I've done it. So in startup mode, I wanted, I wanted to own more of the pie. So I just used and scrambled and had less money and had to figure it out. I, I, I really resonate with the lean startup, right? The minimum viable product. I've always kind of been that way. And any situations. I just wasn't a raise the money person. Now I get it and why it works. I also see in how to acquire good running businesses, but as a startup guy for my own stuff, I'm a bootstrapper. Oh, okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I, 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 I love that. So, uh, I, I know we're, uh, well, we're at the end here, but, uh, where can people find out, you know, more about you, your personal brand, your company fully accountable. And if they want to get more of your books, cause, uh, the advice you've given on this podcast has been amazing. And guys, I highly recommend that you go check out some of his books. Uh, cause there's probably even more value than, uh, than, than what has happened. They're, they're, they're free to your community, Max. We appreciate what you're doing. We love that you're out there helping people. So we created a free gift page at fullyaccountable.com forward slash Max Spence. There you can get 
not only our books as a free resource, but other things we would do to, with your business and growing it. There are your resources. Please take advantage of those. And then you can always just find us at fullyaccountable.com. It's our team. We have a great team there. And Vinny Fisher, my social handles are very accessible. Now, maybe I'm not the one directly managing some of those, but you can get at me and access to me uh, quite accessible. And then for everybody, we created we care at fullyaccountable.com, which is an email address. And so, like, even if you aren't an e-commerce digital company that we work with, we are always trying to connect you with the right resource. So don't be afraid to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Vinny, for coming on the show. It's been amazing talking with you. Uh, you, you have tons of value uh, and, and you gave loads of it in, 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 this, uh, in this podcast. So thank you again for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Max.